0: Have you ever been out there on the internet and seen some guy free soloing and thought to yourself, holy shit, that dude catches a lot of flack, I wonder what he thinks about all that. Well, this idiot is here on the mic and he's here to tell you exactly what he thinks about that. So, throw your rope in the closet where it belongs and grab a chalk bag for. Actually, you probably don't need a chalk bag for this episode. It's pretty uh, mild on the scary stories. So, uh, sit back and enjoy the show! Okay, so where are we in time and everything right now? Um, it is one week after the Tangerine episode aired with the on-site solo of a 512A. I had a lot of fun. Um, Posted it up on Instagram. And there were about 96 comments on that one. Apparently that was a particularly juicy subject for folks. So, some of those were, um, more thought out than others. and even the ones that weren't particularly thought out, well, they made me think, as they always do. Shoot, even Elaine Robert got roped into this one. So, uh, I'm not trying to single out commenters or anything like that in the blog. I'm blacking out any names, but, uh, Truly, I appreciate questions, even when they get a little bit nasty. As uh, self-introspection is absolutely necessary for what I do, and for what any of us do. Life is an inherently dangerous sport, you've heard me say it a million times. So... The idea is that if you ask me a question, and I can't give an answer which resonates with truth within me, that's an indicator that something has gone awry with the process. So I consider these questions as a form of, shall we say, health insurance? It's a double check on my logic, if you will. I've gained friends and acquaintances from this process of back and forth at times. Um, some of my most ardent supporters of the show have come from those who came out swinging at me, but then wound up having conversation instead of argument. It's kind of rad when you think about it. People can still be civil after all. So, these are some of my thoughts coming out of would-be internet argumenters who turned into more of like an internet thought mirror. Maybe it'll give you some ammunition for the next time you need to keep your calm and channel the crystals around you to deal with the internet trolls as you keep your vibes on the mellow. And who knows, maybe you'll gain a friend out of it, too, at some point. In the meantime, uh, I just broke 1,000 views. So I think that means there's more than seven people listening, but I'm not very good at math. Remember, I didn't finish college. Um, so, that's kind of cool. Share the show, tell your friends about it. If they're not into radio shows, remember, this is in blog format, too. That means you can send them to the website, which has a lot of cool stuff on it. Blogs, videos, um, other mentions... And it's got mention of that film that we're working on that was supposed to be (laughs) released in February. And it's, uh, by the time this episode comes out, it's very much not going to be February. Well, I have a job. And Bones has a job now. He was a, a delinquent when we shot the film. So anyway, him having a job and whatnot means that uh, production has slowed down a little bit, but he's getting there. He's almost got the first draft ready. Um, Maybe that first draft will be ready by the time this podcast episode comes out. Well, what can I say? We're not Jimmy Chin and Alex Honnold. We don't have all day to work on this. (laughs) We're just a couple of schmucks faking that we're living the dream. We're not actually doing it. We're just pretending really, really hard. Um, But yeah, a lot of mojo going around. You know, Instagram page, good way to keep people connected, very easy to share, because you just have to remember one word. Free soloist. Because nobody will remember my name, but they will remember that I'm an idiot. So I'm going to start off with one that uh, comes around a lot and I think really needs to be addressed because it is a valid concern that uh, something I've given good thought to and, and, you know, purposeful deliberation made sure that I've mitigated this risk. It goes something like this. Hey, stop soloing in. Insert your favorite crag name here. I feel like if something happened, it would threaten access. Well, feeling doesn't trump reality. After that whole, uh, and naked soloist thing that happened, the local community in North Carolina, or at least the committee was split 50-50 between this is the funniest thing ever and burn the witch to the ground. Wasn't really much of a uh, middle ground there. They tried to raise objection and rabble-rouse the Rangers, and long story short, which is odd for me, I know, Brady Robinson reached out to me. As director of the Access Fund, access threats are kind of his thing. But he wasn't worried about me, though. He was worried, however, about the rabble the old crusties were rousing. So I asked him the million-dollar question. And his response was roughly thus. In the history of climbing, no crag has ever lost or had threatened access due to free soloist activity. He said, it's not like they're base jumpers in Moab dropping like flies or something, causing rescue operations for the rangers on the regular. Now, that Causes an access threat. Repeated actual problems, not isolated incidents or hypotheticals. Once upon a time, at Enchanted Rock, old crusties raised a kerfuffle with the rangers over retro-bolting an old line. The retro-bolt had been approved by the committee and the first ascent party, And yet, the Krusties still revolted directly to the Rangers. The end result? The Park Service put a complete moratorium on any bolting at all for two years. It's not the perpetrator that causes problems, it's the rabble rousers. In North Carolina, the biggest well, the closest thing to a threat to access was the old crusties running to the Rangers. If they'd just kept quiet, live and let live, and cussed me out on social media like civilized people, then there would have been no offended party to pique the Rangers' interest or to cause any sort of reevaluation. Just yet another case of Hashtag, get off my lawn. Another one is, hey, have you ever broken holds? What's up with you soloing Choss in all of your Vajayos? Yeah, good question. Horizontally fractured sandstone always does appear to be a little bit choss to the uh, distal eye. But when you're up close, you start to notice things. As they say, geological time is happening right now. No rock is 100% bomber. El Cap is considered quite robust with that Yosemite granite, but entire pitches have fallen off the wall at various times. Typically, soloing is a venture into the known. Some routes require me to diverge from the standard roped beta to avoid suspect holds. While there may be crummy rock around, the holds and features required for the send are all solid. I have at times broken footholds, but it was the kind of foothold that I knew was possible, and I had planned accordingly to know that I could control and recover even if it broke because handholds were adequate to do so in that region without alarming myself. At times, while I've been on-site soloing, I've tested holds and found them to be loose or suspect from eyeball inspection, but they're possible to avoid on sub-maximal climbs as you have fitness beyond what is required to just get by on the route. Like, uh, shit, there was once a 5'7", that I put about a 510D of effort into because there was crappy rock. But, you know, on my maximum with a rope, I can put a 13A of effort into stuff. And I've put a 12C worth of effort into a solo before, that time that I soloed a 12C. So, putting a 10D worth of effort into a 5.7, eh, not really a big deal. Uh, only once have I actually broken off a hold while soloing, but that was when I was much younger and dumber. We uh, covered that last week on The Only Blasphemy. Fun little episode there about scary stories. You'll need a chalk bag for that one. Meanwhile, some roots have felt fine physically, but I chose to skip the solo because the risk of breakage was too high on a non-avoidable hold. Typically. I solo routes that are popular, and they've been cleaned through years of heavy traffic. I've let all of you folks break the holds off for me. Slick little strategy there. Even in crags where the rock quality isn't exactly excellent, generally, there are always individual routes sprinkled around which are solid, uh, lying in between the ones which aren't. In trad climbing, we are required to place gear in the rock and evaluate whether it is strong enough to hold the impact of a leader fall. If you can do that, then inspecting rock to hold body weight actually becomes quite a trivial uh, task. (laughs) ¶¶ Another one goes uh, along with, why the fuck won't you shut the hell up about this, you goddamn jo- oh, oh, fuck, that's a little bit over the top. I should, yeah, I should definitely edit that out. Um, How are we gonna, how are we gonna tone that down? Okay, rephrasing, rephrasing. Why are you so out in the open with this? You're just a narcissistic spray lord. Well, quite kind of you to point that out, my friend. I believe that openly discussing risk and preparation is a precious part of climbing culture and that we glean essential lessons for our own climbing from practitioners of any genre, even if we don't practice that type of climbing ourselves. You don't have to be a soloist to learn from a soloist's process, and you don't have to be the strongest climber in the world to learn from Adam Andros. As a kid, A younger and dumber soloist, I read Mike Reardon's blogs, watched his videos, and listened to his words. This stressed to me that soloing wasn't something to be taken lightly, and that there was a a right way to go about it. Or, at the very least, there certainly was a wrong way to go about it. At the time, I was going about it wrong. Uh, Once again, see last week's episode, The Only Blasphemy whole lot of wrong in there. If you want to convince someone to stop soloing, that's the episode you share to them. (laughs) Uh, Anyhow, I think his words saved me from doing a lot of stupid things as a kid. To discuss risk without process is to normalize risk for its own sake, and I find that to border on recklessness. No matter the style, it's our job to mentor so that our friends and community members can adequately learn the sacred art of not killing yourself. Maybe someday, some other version of my younger self will get the same from what I'm putting out there, and be turned off from doing something stupid himself. I'm not promoting soloing. I'm promoting not being a fucking idiot if you happen to wake up one day and feel like soloing is something that you need in your life. Another good one that comes up a lot is, please be careful. Fuck yeah, you get it, my friend. Life is an inherently dangerous sport. It's not inherently safe in any way. So being careful is all we've got. Being careful takes a lot of thought, and that's what I'm here to talk about. Danger is a combination of risk and consequence. Consequence, is a word used to describe all the adverse outcomes which are possible. And risk is the likelihood of those adverse outcomes actually happening. One thing is sure. Point blank. If you fuck up badly enough, you're dead. That's for all climbing and arguably all of life. So we prepare and take steps to mitigate that risk. Or, excuse me, we take steps to mitigate the risk that this consequence could happen. I just have a different set of preparations to make. I've soloed hundreds of pitches, and intend thousands more. So if the odds of failure were as high as one in a thousand, that'd catch up to me. So I train in a very particular manner so that I'm secure. And then I back that up by selecting roots which themselves are secure as well. Not just any root will do. There's five eights you could do in high heels that I wouldn't be caught dead soloing. Or rather, that I'd be caught dead if I soloed them. Sketchy and difficult don't always go hand in hand. Secure roots, when you find them, can be dialed in to certainty. Otherwise, it just doesn't go at all, and my feet never leave the tarmac. Uh, People don't... don't like hearing that. So they might say something like, No, you won't die on any type of climbing, even if you screw up badly enough. Your partner and or your gear would have to fail. No shit, Sherlock. That's precisely my point. You can fail spectacularly and still be okay. I wonder how many super cool soloers will die because of this new fad. I hope you retire and stick to rope. Okay, gotta hand it to him. He did get one thing right. We're all gonna die. But I have to give it to him on technicality since you're all gonna die too. If there's one thing sure about life, it's that we're all dying from the moment we're born. But, uh... There's a couple of super wrong things going in here, too. Three to start off. First, telling other people how to live their lives. Yeah, fuck that. Second, lying to support your opinion. Mm. Third, speaking ill of the dead with a sense of superiority and belief in your own fallibility. Uh, Infallibility. None of us are infallible. Humans are great at making mistakes. Bonus, it's free soloists, not free soloers. If you're going to swing at someone, get your grammar right. Now, I don't have the hubris to think I have the right to tell anyone how to live their lives. I'm just throwing out an example of the way that I think. Take what you want, leave what you don't. It's that simple. If anyone says they know the right way to live, it's because they don't and it's eating them alive from the inside out, so they're trying to bring you down because they don't want to take the effort of bringing themselves up. Now, don't lie to support your opinion. I know that's really in vogue right now, but it makes you and your opinion look bad. It is an absolute fact that you can die climbing. Even if you're acting safely, because humans are notorious for making mistakes, and there are some things that we cannot account for. Famous climbers have been killed on the wall, and there's a report of all we've lost pub or all the folks we've lost published annually from rock and ice. So, um, no, you won't die on any type of climbing, even if you screw badly enough. This is self-evidently false in so many ways. Uh, And saying that you can't, that brings me to the third point. Saying that you can't is saying you believe this is true about yourself, that you believe yourself to be infallible. And that's saying two things. One, that you have the hubris to think you can execute perfectly. And second, is to say that you're better than everyone who's ever died climbing. Now, I've lost friends to climbing, and you're not better than them. Fuck you. I try not to be an asshole when in, in responding, but I'm going to stand by that one, firmly. So, this brings up the Honnold effect. The notion that we're corrupting the youth of America, they're all going to go out and die. In the 1960s, The adage of the day was the leader must not fall because they only had static manila ropes which were tied around their waist in a bowline. If you fell, either the cord would break or you would. It wasn't realistically much different from soloing. There wasn't a substantial differentiation between soloing and climbing. There was no trad sport soloing, it was just climbing. Through the 60s and 70s, soloing was still very commonly practiced among a great many climbers. Just look at the Stone Masters. Lynn Hill, John Long, John Backer, Ron Kalk, Dean Fidelman. They all soloed. Back then, gear and systems were not as well developed as they are now, so all of climbing was much more dangerous than it is today. Boldness was commonly required. But, with the advent of climbing gyms, sport climbing, competitions, and the proliferation of bouldering, it is now easier than ever to practice climbing with more layers of safety to mitigate danger. It's much more of a choose-your-own-adventure in terms of uh, the consequences that are most likely, that risk-and-consequence game. So it's no surprise that fewer and fewer climbers choose to solo. Why solo when you can be safe? I get it. It makes sense, objectively. And subjectively, too. Just not to me on some or most days. <clears throat> yeah, moving on. Um you know, never mind that John Backer was one of the most famous climbers in America for a while. He was on Razor commercials and Jeep commercials, all kinds of stuff. Uh, you know what, actually, have you read the comment section under any of Honnold's videos? There's a whole lot of, holy shit, fuck no, I'd never do that. So, I don't buy the notion that we're corrupting the youth of America and inspiring them to flock like lemmings to leap off of the cliffs. Where are the Alain Robert imitators? He's world-renowned for soloing buildings, and he soloed 16 513s in the 90s. He and Patrick Edlinger were famous all throughout France as being a pair of the strongest soloists alive. They even had mainstream movie appeal with films such as Edlinger's Opera Verticale. I'm 99.9% sure that I'm saying that wrong. Anyway, The young climbers of France didn't start cratering like Jurassic meteors then, and the youth of America won't be doing the same now either. Actually, you know what? We've got people out there dying for Instagram selfies. You people out there talk danger, and they think cool. I'm over here talking process, and they think boring. They want cool, not boring. You guys talk danger. I'll talk process, you'll encourage them to keep doing stupid things, and I'll convince them that it's actually quite boring if you're doing it right. Well, the history of climbing is absolutely rife with soloing, and yet there are fewer practitioners per capita amongst the climbing community now than at any time in history. To quote Elaine Robert when he came into one of my Instagerm posts to a talk shop. He said, free soloing isn't a dogma. Some are choosing this way to deal with their fears of living and expressing themselves. For me, it has been and will remain until I die the best therapy in my life. I'm not trying to convince you. I'm telling you about my case. Different people, different mindsets. It is the beauty of our world. That resonates with me. I've been dealing with bipolar 2 and depression for my entire life. When I was very young, I tried to choke myself to death with my own hands. I don't know how young I was, but I was too young to understand that it couldn't work. Soloing has brought me a deep sense of peace, and it has helped me to stay alive when my brain actually wants to kill me. Soloing isn't a death wish, it's a life wish. It's a shame that so many people want to take that from me. Such presumption, such sanctimony. I don't want to die, and this helps me keep that wish alive. This is the one thing that's kept my mind healthy, where nothing else would. The greatest thing we have in life is merely the ability to live fully. It's the free choice to make this life whatever you want, however you want, inside yourself. Everyone finds their own way, but for me. Soloing provides me that ability, and I'll take that with me to the grave. I realize that there is a chance I will die soloing. I understand how fragile life's grip on the living is more than most, I think but the fact is that I'd have likely died already without soloing. So I'll keep riding this mojo train as long as it'll let me. So if I'm inspiring anyone, it's on the message of dream, train, try, repeat. No matter what your mind says, you can learn to live around it. Some have a harder time at this than others. They have a higher barrier to entry in that regard. But we can all find something which gives us that first foothold to start chipping away at the barriers which hold us back. Soloing isn't good. But it isn't bad either. It just is. Just why, they say, you can do it exactly the same with a rope. Come on. I think I just covered this a little bit a minute ago, but I'd like to expand on it now. Every climber is an unnecessary risk taker. Why go up there on lead? You can do it exactly the same with top rope. Come on. Soloing to me is about deepening a sense of peace within myself. It's about creating and then sustaining this little kernel of clarity and calm on the wall so that the mindset transfers into my life off the wall to give me the tools to live a more content life. The fact is that this is unnecessary, but so is all climbing and many of the other things which bring humans joy, except if you consider joy necessary. Soloing is a path to peace for me. I can sustain full-day and multi-day runs where nothing else impedes my flow. Not the severity of the moves, not thoughts about gear, not time spent belaying my partner, and not another human's intrusion into my thoughts. While the occasional hard solo serves as good training, really, what I'm after is those full-day runs of circuit soloing where I can be alone with peace in my own way. (sighs) <sighs> okay, okay, um, Segway, what am I going to record? It needs to be thoughtful, and... Resonator! Resonator's thoughtful. Uh, that's way too, way too low to be thoughtful, can't be... Thoughtful is like... Thoughtful is high up there, yeah, capos, grab the capo and make it higher, not like... Not like California high, you, you know what I mean, but just like, like, a little bit of like maybe. Yeah, it's okay. Shit. Mulligan. Fuck, is it me or the. the. Gu- no, this is a great guitar, it's definitely. You know what? Fuck it. Back to the show. I give up on this one. Uh, that's, that's, that's the segue right there. I'm done. I'm, I'm over it. it ugh, need more fucking coffee. Holy shit, it's 9pm. Maybe I need sleep. How the fuck do you get down? <laughs> Great question. Three ways, primarily. Uh, My preference and most favorite is to find a route that tops out, so you can just walk off the top and come back down. Sometimes this isn't possible, and a close second is via traversing to a neighboring route to downclimb back to Earth. Sometimes I can wander between a couple of nearby routes to dodge all of their cruxes and find a path to ground, which is even easier than what could be done with a rope, because I don't have to follow a path which is protected. One nice thing about soloing hard is that if you're on the hard route, the routes adjacent to it are typically easier, and that provides somewhat of a uh, pressure release valve. Uh, Sometimes neither of those traditional options are available, so I'll go (coughs) sport soloing, I call it, where I either hang a knotted rope a few feet from the top of the wall, or I'll rope solo the route so I can pull my harness up to the anchor. Once I get to the anchor, I'll step into my harness, cinch it up, and then rappel off the route back to the ground. Yes, that is a bit annoying, but it's useful for training missions on my higher-end solos when there's just no other way to make it happen. It's not something that I like to do regularly, definitely not going to do it on circuit days. It takes up a lot of time that I could spend on other routes, but it is a, a useful means to an end. Have you ever had a moment of panic or thought, this was it? Oh yeah, totally. On uh, one occasion, storm clouds were rolling in, and I decided to take another lap anyway on a mellow 5-6. Halfway up the five-pitch route, the rain caught me. As you can imagine, I wasn't too worried. I knew that it was coming and knew that the rock was grippy enough that it wouldn't be a problem. Then I thought a little more, and I remembered something. My phone wasn't waterproof. And that's when the panic set in and I thought, this is definitely it. My phone's going to die. However, as always, such fear was for naught. Upon reaching my bivy cave, I wiped off the phone and all was fine. Until the next week when I dropped it off a cell phone tower at work. The irony was not missed. Then another time, I was soloing Built to Tilt at Linville Gorge, North Carolina, and as I got to the end of the body-length roof crux, I felt something shift, horribly. And then I felt a sharp tug on my ears as I realized that my iPhone had slipped out of my pocket due to the change in the angle of the climb. After a brief moment of panic, I realized that it was still dangling from my headphone cord, so I reeled it back in carefully one-handed and kept going. This time I put it in my butt pocket instead of the front pocket of my jeans. Maybe that one will work better. Process, ever evolving. <clears throat> okay, rapid fire section here. We're in the uh, we're in the lightning round. Running out of time on this episode. If the hat falls, does it count? No, absolutely not. Like Thanos' glove, this is the vessel which holds my power. If the hat falls, so do I. Do you carry your own body bag? Yes, although most people call them bivy sacks. What kind of insurance policy do you have? Down climbing. Is it called free solo because you don't have to pay for ropes? Yes, which makes it extra ironic that Honnold is sponsored by rope companies, but perfect that I'm not sponsored by anyone. Why did you start soloing? Dude, have you seen how much robes cost? Aren't you scared? Eh, only when my phone has a mishap. Ah, uh, there you have it, folks. I was meaning to do a listener mail episode, but I haven't had any... Listener mail, you guys can send any questions, comments, or hate mail to austin at thefreesoloist.com. And, uh, you know, lacking listener mail, I decided to pick up questions from the internet troller coaster, because why not? There's plenty of comments out there on the interweb. Um, follow me on Instagram, like the show on Facebook subscribe on your favorite podcast app and downvote me on Reddit because that's way more fun than all those stinking upvotes. All right, folks, it's that time for the end of the show. I'd just like to remind you that this, no, this is not big climbing. Uh Uh-uh, my friends, you could not be any further away from big climbing than this is. Let me tell you right now, you could be on-site soloing one of the most popular five pitch routes at the crag, only to realize That you're completely fuck-off lost. So you look over to the adjacent route. There's a party climbing it. So you holler at them, Hey, do you guys know where this thing goes? No, they don't know where this thing goes. So what do you do? You whip out your phone and you start looking up route beta on Mountain Project. Ooh, I see a butt shot of a lead climber. Looks like they're off that way. Well, guess I'm heading off that way. And you still wouldn't be as far away from big climbing as this is. I'll rock